This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. The first beer goes down easy. It's bubbly, it's sweet, tickles the back of your throat. The second beer, you're starting to enjoy it. You kick back, get a bit more relaxed. But it's the third beer, Brent. That is. It's the third beer that where you hit that vibe, a certain mellowness comes over. It's a golden light nectar, I would describe. The pub turns into a very happy place, and you've hit that spot that's just right. And our third beer is a special guest each week that we get to interview and have a chat to not only about the beer, but also about life and other stuff that men don't talk about. I'm Brett McCallum. I'm Chris Dixon, and we'd like to talk about the third beer. Well, well, welcome. Here we are today. G'day, big fella. You're back. Back again. Excited. Excited to be here and have a chat. You're the perfect, perfect basketball sub. You know, we put out the call. Always available. All comes on. Walks <laughs> onto the court. Michael Jordan starts doing his magic. It's good to be flexible. We <laughs> come from work. It's good to have you here, brother. You're not having a, a beer today. No beers for me. Um, yes, normal stuff. Would die if I had a beer allergic to sugar. That's right. Okay, but we've got an excellent guest today. Fantastic. Our producer, Master Alex, and he's going to uh, summarise. G'day, buddy. How are you? Uh, good, thank you. Excellent. Happy to happy to be on this end of it for and, once. And you're you're right. It's right to say that this is your first beer. Yeah. This, this is my first beer. Yeah, I've I've uh, twenty four years. I've never really drunk before, so this is my first beer. This is going to be a very interesting show. Be fantastic. <laughs> <I'm looking forward laughs> to it. We'll see how it goes. Just to make sure we had our, we're pushing. I know that uh, Brett and I are working towards the Burley Brewing Company coming on board. So uh, it's a beautiful lager, no carb lager. So uh, it's uh, clean. It's crisp. It's a laid back. No carbs, no sugar, no preservatives. We love it at the third beer. So this is going to be your first beer on the third beer, and it's going to be a brewery brew. Oh, that's I'm very excited. I think that's all right. So let's crack it open. Okay. Let's see how we go. Aaron's going to look on in um, anticipation. That sounded all right. We're getting better and better. All right. Gonna I'll uh, crack it. been listening to this a lot, but uh, it's my first time trying it. Has it ever made you thirsty? Have you ever thought, well, that sounds like, oh, dick at that. See? A bit of practice. <laughs> it has. It does. Yes. It, it always makes me thirsty. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm actually excited. I'm going to I'm gonna watch this and save you okay. this moment. All right. Here we go. I'm going to try it. Burley, yes. Burley Brewing Co. First beer. It's going down. Um, it's, it's strong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it uh it it tastes like it smells like it it tastes like barley it's tastes like it smells that's it's, probably a good description <laughs> thank uh, you yeah. <laughs> it's it's strong yeah it's got a certain aroma to it kieran's got it smirking what does it smells like i, I think this, is, right. this was a great it's first smelling. beer Right. Well, welcome. Thank welcome you. Welcome to the third beer. And, and this is a place where you come together with your mates, you, you crack open a beer and not that you need a beer, but we often talk about things that people don't talk about. So I'm I'm very happy that uh, you've decided to crack open one today and join us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And Master Burns been on a few time, a few times. You've, you've heard his, his voice over the thing. I recognize the voice. Absolutely. Re- did you think the voice matched the face? 
Because uh, he's quite a good-looking cast. M- more so, I think, with Kieran. Chris, you surprised me a little bit when I first <laughs> saw you. I, I wasn't sure what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you said that at the time. Yeah, I'm curious about that. that <laughs> I think I think it's the beard. The beard is what threw me off. I, I didn't. Maybe I couldn't hear the beard through the microphone. Um. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hear the beard through the microphone. No. Well, I'm always happy to, you know, put people in there, you know, <laughs> disturb people with not being what I should be. So that's all right. Um, we're here today and we're going to explore, um, we're going to explore the last, you know, I think we've up to 19 podcasts, aren't we? Something like that. Yeah. Mate, so you've listened to them all. I've, I have listened to them all, yeah, uh, several times as well. A few dedicated clients out there and customers and yep. uh, punters <laughs> have actually gone through and listened to them all as well. Yeah. So I'd be interested to explore today what we've gotten from the process, what we get out of this dialogue. I know I've taken a lot out of it. I know I've shared a lot and uh, exposed myself and uh, came to the table and, uh, you know, truly tried to uh, grapple with some ideas. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys got from it. I know I've grown. I know I've, I've learned probably to be vulnerable and to express myself. So it's been a very interesting process for, I think, for, for me and Brett. So uh, who wants to take it away? Vern, you've listened to a few. Yeah, I think that um, I agree. Like um, I've learned a lot about myself by having these conversations and, and, and having them, um, I guess, in this format, um, sitting around a table, having a beer and, and, and actually talking about things that um, – maybe aren't part of your day-to-day um, thought processes. Um, this has been a 20-year journey for us. We'd often sit around and I'd yeah. drink and you'd not drink and we would uh, <laughs> have these conversations. That's right. Yeah. And they're they always fantastic. But um, and, and I really look forward to doing more of them. And I think that pretty much everyone should have these kind of conversations on a weekly basis. The ability to hear it back is interesting because I'd often, we'd have these conversations, yeah. three, four hour stint. And then at the end of it, think, I'm not sure what the fuck we just spoke about. Yeah, yeah. It was fun at the time. And, <laughs> no, that's it. And then when you hear it back, you go, okay, that was really cool. And you um, sort of reflect on what you said and you can kind of go into it. And um, what's funny is when someone else uh, who wasn't part of the conversation listens to the conversation and they get something out of it and they feed it back. And then now it becomes this organic thing that keeps growing and, more insight is generated and we kind of get this, um, I guess, holistic um, understanding of, of this conversation that, you know, was between two or three people and then all of a sudden all these other people inputted and, yeah, it's really been uh, Well, really that's cool. what we're here to do today, isn't it? That organic nurturing of the tilling of the ground. I think it's good that you hear some really interesting good things. I also heard myself say a lot of shit as well, which is very interesting. <laughs> I've heard that as well. <laughs> I want to hear more about that. <laughs> well, it's quite interesting when I do this little, oh, uh, yeah, 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 this little, this little <laughs> tone thing I do in the background <laughs> about half talking, half not mumbling. It's quite interesting. And and some comments that I've raised have gone, well, where did that come from? Do I really kind of, is that really sit with my value base. Mate, what have you gotten out of this process with listening time and time again? Well, yeah, I, I've listened to quite a few now. Um, probably the biggest thing I've gotten is just getting to hear people's stories because it, as you said, it is really people sitting around a table talking um, and people open up and talk about their lives and, and their experiences and a lot of amazing experiences as well. Um, and everyone really has some something to say something to contribute um so being able to hear about that in in i suppose an intimate way um has just given me you know a a lot of insight and experience that i didn't have before 
something I find as well really interesting is how a lot of people end up in similar places. Uh, I mean, even spiritually. Uh, I know that you and you and Brett don't mind getting spiritual. Um, and well, Brett hates it. Yeah, it always ends up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but th- it always sort of seems to come back to this idea of mindfulness and living in the moment and finding peace internally. And I think that's really been a running theme throughout all of these podcasts. And it's it's interesting to me that everyone has come from such a different background and such had such different experiences, but they actually end up in fairly similar places um and end up of course implies that people are at the end of a journey which we never are um but yeah i i I found that fascinating absolutely i'm so glad you said that and that was wonderfully articulate we you might we might have to get you on the show more often buddy. (laughs) you got a lovely voice on the radio too and uh i wonder if the punters know what i'm looking at kind of (laughs) good looking solid young man that i am i'm wondering um (laughs) what's your story uh so I'm I'm a law student. Uh, I grew up uh, in New Zealand and, and moved here when I was around 13. Uh, I went to Somerset here on the Gold Coast. Somerset. Yep. Somerset boy, local. Yep, 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 local boy. Um, After I graduated, I did uh, philosophy for a year up at UQ. No way. Yep. Uh, and then I decided that I actually wanted a job at the end of my degree. Uh, so I left philosophy at UQ. Um, the job prospects for that aren't massive unless you want to teach philosophy. Uh, which I didn't. So then we moved. Yeah, th- then I came back down here and I've been studying law and business ever since. Okay. What did you get from one year of uh, university level philosophical studies? Because I actually went to the P section when I first went to uni enrollment day. I went to the P section to do philosophy, but there was no philosophy department. So I ended up doing psychology. That's, yeah. oh, that's, really? how, <laughs> that's oh, wow. how I got. I was in the P section. Yeah. Well, you yeah. Take, take <laughs> the next pamphlet. Move on. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to say what I got out of it. I I main, m- mostly worked in logic, which is really the beautiful. Yeah, Love a good pristine yeah. logic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's clear. It, it is until it turns to shit. Well, yeah. th- that's the thing. It's it's beautiful. It's it's a beautiful way of building rules around an argument, but those rules don't really apply anywhere other than within the context of a philosophical conversation. Um, fallacies, for example, uh, there's the appeal to force which is the idea of an argument isn't good because you threaten someone if you know to to believe you but if you're getting mugged on the street you're not going to say oh, that's an appeal to force so I'm not going to give you my things you're just going to give give people their things or your things well that would be a very cool thing to yeah. say actually <laughs> i'm not sure you I... want my you want my wallet no well that's an appeal to force and i refuse to participate uh, i uh, i haven't tried that uh, i don't think i would either we should start we should start a call out <laughs> I, i'd probably just hand over my wallet but um so there, there it was an interesting way of framing argument but i don't think it was very practical at the end of the day um and the same goes for the rest of it. You know, it's it's all well and good to talk uh, for as long as you want about, you know, where the tableness of the table exists and talk about, you know, metaphysics and, you know, what is real or how do we know what we know, what is knowledge. Um, but how, at the end, How could we possibly know what we know? Exactly. That's sweet. Exactly. I want to go down there. Definitely happy to go down there. Um, but at the end of the day as well, I need to eat. Um, oh, here so, we go. Got to, we need to eat and we I, need to I, feed the kids. Yeah, this is yeah, ex- stock standard. Exactly. Beer conversation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, what did it teach you about love? Oh, 
Well, that that's a that's a great question. I I, I love that question. Um, my my current position on love as a single twenty four year old person is uh, a Sartian uh, position. And he he talks about uh, love. Sorry, who? Uh, Sartre. Sartre. Sartre? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The existentialist. Yeah, from the France. Yeah, yeah, French yeah, yeah, existentialist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he speaks about love as an impossible paradox. It's the idea that you want to possess someone, but you want them to be free at the same time. So what you want is to have someone who does everything you you want them to do and says everything you want and is totally servient to you in in some way. But at the same time, you want them to have free will and you want them to do all of those things. And, of course, that's impossible. That That's a paradox by its very nature. Um, so... Well, is it? That's, well, a, that's, <laughs> uh, that's interesting to me. I don't know, think love to burn because I think we've taken a very interesting turn. <laughs> what, what do you think of that? Love? I don't know. I think it's, um, an, it's a really, really fantastic conversation. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that <laughs> just <laughs> reflecting on how just, you know, how central that is to our lives. I'm just so, yeah. remembering about you know, <laughs> about love and the importance of it, and how it yeah infiltrates. Unsolvable paradox. Come on. Mm. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's true. I think that um, it's a cool debate, but I think that um, the logic sounds clear. Yeah, but it doesn't connect with my being. No, but the logic and the experience of relationship relates to it. Yeah. But there's something missing. Yeah, and yeah. I think that what's missing is that uh, thing that the brain can't comprehend anyway and can't describe because the brain can't see love. But if you're going to describe it and talk about, I guess, that tension and that um, mm-hmm. paradox and we want to put it into words and have a conversation about it, then that's a fine way to do it. <laughs> but to me, it doesn't uh, resonate on a, um, a level of love. Like, But then again... Can't really describe what that is. I can, yeah. How well, do you, I've I've met your beautiful wife and your lovely family. It's true. And you're in a very interesting. You have been in a very interesting space. We all know my space is in a free fall of deconstruction. Um, fascinating space that is. Yeah. Um, Alex, where I'm, 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 we going here because this is where it led. I wasn't this expecting a, going. Yeah. Here. Have, have you ever been in love? Uh, yeah, I, I can. I are, can you, say, are you in love? I'm. I'm not right now. No. Oh. Uh, I can. I can say that I've been in love in a, in a broader sense, in terms of uh, having a deeper connection with a person over a long period of time. Yep. And I also think I felt love as a fleeting moment as well. Uh, in that it was, I had a t- had an experience with a person where I felt in love, and then, or as close to love as I could as I could fathom. And then the, the next day, um, didn't feel that again. Um, I think a lot of people would say that that isn't love, uh, but I, I'd argue that it is. Wow. A fleeting moment of love. Now you, you, next day gone. Yep. It's a summer, summer loving. <laughs> a, there are songs about that, yeah, right? It happens so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're literally songs about that. I, I would say that in a long-term and a short-term love, like a fleeting love, that you access the same space mm. of your innate being that is love. Mm. It's an opening. And mm. on a longer, longer-term love, it's a, a slow burn and opens up and you, you can kind of celebrate and experience it more often. But in a fleeting moment, the door is opened and you taste that love, which is you and, and that other person, and you share that space, but yeah. uh, then the door closes again. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I thought about a fair bit and, and about love and how that works. And, like, you look at Romeo and Juliet and, you know, it's um, 
you know, in love, it's all, it's like a fire, it's a bonfire and then they both die and they don't have to go through anything too mm. long-term traumatic or, or to actually, yeah. you know, fight through. Talk, like, talk, talk, then I know where you're going, yeah, go on, go on. You know on. what I mean? Yeah. Like it, you kind of, um, it's amazing. It's an amazing story. Um, it's an amazing experience. But spark then, fast, spark hard, burn it burn all it down out, and yeah. die. Wow. <laughs> it, it almost sounds better. I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. I, that would be perfect. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no negativity in that. It's an amazing yeah. type of love, you know, and, yeah. and you're talking about, you know, I was inst- uh, that's love. Because I think we do love like that at 13, 14, 15. Mm. 17, 18, 25. Oh, you think it keeps going? Well, I just think, I think that you have those connections. Um, and you can have those connections and they're amazing. And then as, uh, life goes on, cause it keeps ticking normally, you don't usually, you know, um, die. No, so, no, no. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you do. Someone <laughs> has to go and get milk and bread eventually. Exactly. You have to get up in the morning and someone has to get a job and someone has to, you know, work a little bit. And, um, you now, what are we doing now? We're negotiating, you know, it's, it's okay. What is this is, uh, is, is the love, you know, does it transform or is it still there or is it just a different way of um, understanding it? Um, and then, you know, long-term love, you, you know, is that just um, is that overcoming all those so, things? So constantly? we're exploring the difference between that balls-to-bone in-love experience, this fleeting, there is no question here, there is no doubt, yep. I am totally in love right now. Yeah. And that is different to... I'm loving someone over 30 years. Is it? Well, I judge. This is the conversation. I I think it's a, you know, you look at, I I, I don't know, I was reading or heard something about, you know, arranged marriages where you go into an arranged marriage and and you know the deal and you live with them for 40, 50 years and it's all good and, and, you know, like best friends kind of thing. And, you know, um, you never have that burning passion of love. Maybe, maybe. Maybe oh, you do. In, in, let's say you don't. They say so, you don't. No, I'm, I'm saying let's say you don't. Like, because if you have that, then you got both. But oh, if yeah. you if you never had it, because it's an arranged marriage, and then you but you get to know the other person so well, and you respect them, and you do all those things, and it goes on for fifty years. That's love. That that's a form of love, like that historical like a slow burn. A slow burn. No less important or valid than the than the, the ignition. Exactly. But the ignition's powerful, Alex. You, you, you've opened the door. Briefly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all static. Just, uh, just on that point, so do you then believe that any two people under the right circumstances could fall in love? Or do you think that it's... Well, a... I'd say that's not possible. Okay. Um, Is that your experience? That's a great question. <laughs> I, look, I, I'd say yes. Yeah, I I'd thought s- you I'd, might. I'd say that um, I think that I have a great love of people and... and Love emanates from my being, and I uh, think that um, yeah, there's diff- obviously different levels. But I mean, if you love people as a thing, that's a different thing again, though. I think. Well, I, I can concur. I'm more of a bit of a on-off guy, as you know. Yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah. So I can burn brightly and radiate love from my being, <laughs> or I can hate your fucking guts. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not much of a hater. I'm not much of a hater. Yeah. <laughs> You're tall and beautiful. You know, I've got a, I've got a little bit of hate in there. <laughs> yeah, it's way too much love. Yeah, no, cool, uh, cool. It does. It washes over me. I, I like it, and I, I have that same experience. So, Alex, mate. Any two people, I would agree and concur that you can fall in love with anybody when you remove the barriers to who you really are, mm. that intimacy, that connection. Um, is that? Would you then equ- equate 
love with the removal of barriers or do you think that there's a, an, another component to it as well? Uh, how, how long into this podcast are we? <laughs> I think we we've, we've got time. How long in? But, we, <laughs> about 20 minutes. We're in. 20 minutes in, Something are we? Like Jeez, that, well, yeah. that's not too bad. But I would equate the term love with the term God. Okay. That's too yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? I'm, uh, I only read the other day, uh, love is the form of God. So the most subtlest experience of what manifestation is, the most subtle uh, physical expression of form is love, which is the very first expression of the manifestation of God. And, and I'd add to that, that the brain can't comprehend that. Oh, well, but I think experientially you can experience No, no you can that. experience it. The brain can't like actually fathom That's the that difference between or... you and me, Vern. My is brain that... doesn't care. No, it switches I, off. It doesn't even try to conceptualize. I know, that. I know but I, I find it difficult to have words to describe it. Mm-hmm. And so once, like in that space, uh, love, God, and you just experience it, it's joy. It's joyful. Oh, it's, it's just exquisite. An, it's an absolute, uh, yeah, like like it's other it's other dimensional though. Like, like it's literally like I'm no longer of this world. I am part of something so. Interconnected, interwoven, co-creator yep. of the universe. And then, bam, I need to start to control this person in order to control my hit. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, <laughs> or if you You're fight completely that. fucking vulnerable <laughs> all the time, and it sucks. And it hurts. <laughs> like, you can't even fathom. So what you do is you control them. Yeah, and, you, yeah. <laughs> and then you fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. You hurt anyway. And you strangle it, and it's gone, and then you hurt all over again. What, I, and you're I, 24, right? Sorry, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> you got all that ahead of you. Yeah, Don't yeah, worry yeah. about it. I'm, I'm time cynical. Time and time again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as a psychologist, for, for both of you, why do you think it's so innate for us to have that desire to control something? Why is that so so common among the human experience and, and so difficult to overcome as well? Well, I think real... Uh, trained love is grappling with that process. So it's about actually trying to disentangle from your own need to do that. Why do we fall up in that? Because it's vulnerable and it's, it's hard to be open all the time and, and you feel, what happens if that person falls in love with somebody else? Mm. What happens if they leave me? Mm. You know, And uh, as you said, we can fall in love with multiple people at multi-times and we can interrupt, you know, polyamory type of space where we're able to love more than one people at and how does that fit with us if we know that we have the capacity to do that? Then maybe my partner feels the same way and then that, that, that leaves me to a sense of loss and exposure. And that's a note, my own personal experience. What, what would you say? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that um, also that's how the brain works. Mm. You know, like like when you're loving, the, I, I really believe that the brain isn't connected in that, just sort of experiencing it. I'd actually say it's left brain, right brain type stuff, that the right brain's incredibly experiential here. Now I'm open, I feel it, it's here. But then my left brain comes in with language and starts to think about it and starts to wants to control it and starts wants to own Wednesday night because that's when we hook up and I taste a bit of love and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay, I'm not, and we've never talked about that, so I'm not really sure how that works. I'm more, I guess, thinking... And the only way I could logic it was that, um, yeah, the brain, which is cognitive and thinking and processing and, and left and right, um, I can talk to you about that, I'm not sure, but processing, whereas I guess heart, 
um, spirituality, whatever it is, is more about experiential feeling, being in the moment, you know, just absorbing and, and, and having that like in every cell. And the brain can't, doesn't like the fact that that thing is happening and, and it's in the moment because the brain, you know, it's like, no, no, let's own that. Or let's, mm. how do I, how do I frame that? How do I conceptualize that? How do I talk about that? How do I tell people? How do I hold on to that moment mm. where love just lets it flow over you and you're like um, in that moment all the time and you trust that moment's not trust, but that moment just keeps coming because you're in that moment. Mm. Um, whereas the brain's like, you're, no, you are that moment. That moment. It's, yeah. it's like sport. Like when you play, you're in that, purple zone and you're just killing it you don't know how you're doing it everything just works out and you play really well mm. but then if you try to be in that zone mm. you're immediately out of it and and yeah that's what that's my how would you process that um yeah I, I think to me a lot of what you guys spoke about was about our our brains innate desire to control things and and to possess things and i i think it it's it's wrong <laughs> i think at its core um the idea that a flower is more beautiful if we possess it, I, th- I think it's is wrong. Uh, I think a flower, as as a metaphor, is is more beautiful when it is growing naturally where it is. And I think our, our desire to control and possess things actually sometimes destroys the things that we're actually trying to protect. I totally concur, mm. and and. Uh you know, believe and validate, although the word wrong, I, I struggle with. <laughs> uh, um, would you, um, would you be willing to share your partner? I would like to be able to be willing to do it. Wow. Yes. But I'm, I'm not sure I'm at that place yet, but I would like to be at, at the point where I accept a person for who they are. Um, and I see love as, not my love, but the love, if that makes sense. Um, totally. And, yeah, because I think it, it just causes unhappiness. I've, I've seen it. I've experienced it, um, the desire to control. And I, I guess even on a practical level, it's just one less thing to worry about, isn't it? <laughs> it's just one other anxiety that, that we wouldn't have to deal with or that I wouldn't have to So deal with. then why wouldn't we just move from one fleeting love to the next? And a completely open smorgasbord of exchange of the experience of love. Um, there's, a, I think there are a few practical issues. STDs come to mind as, as maybe one of the practical issues. To You've deal slipped with. into control again, Alex. Chris is taking you somewhere. <laughs> um, All of a sudden, I've got a, I've got a condom on. And it's less, it's less passionate. But you know, I, I, but I'm protected, and that's important. Punters out there, it's very important. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that is the way. Um, I, do, do, do you know what I mean, though? I mm. mean, uh, the idea of a free, open expression of love, mm. and where we have no um, um, ownership, ownership, mm-hmm. and we don't limit our lover in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. leaves us open to the idea that, that we we share them with whoever they need to love. Mm. But it also opens us to the ability to love whoever we need to love. I mean, as soon as we start to limit other people, we also limit ourselves. Mm. And this is the thing. I think the real dilemma is is I'm monogamous. And so you need to be, mm. I, I, I'm in, I love you unconditionally and I don't need or want anybody else. And I need you to love me that way, because if you don't, then I'm feeling like mm. I'm a sucker. Yeah. And I think like the words we use really, you know, like even in the word control and monogamous and 
know, we, we, we label it and that makes it real and then that has to actualize. Whereas if you're in that moment of love and two people are just there and they're not thinking about the future and ownership and, and all those things. That's when and, they're in love. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, they're, they're yeah. in that moment and they're not conceptualizing and cogn- you know, thinking about it too much, then it might be possible. Mm. But as soon as um, you think about the idea of sharing, like how do you share a person? Like I don't think you're – I mean, like, start thinking about it like that. Well, am I going to share? I'm not sharing them. They're doing what they want. I'm not sharing. So, you know, those words. Those, <laughs> good, you know, good point. Those, those, so you those, wouldn't consider it sharing? No, I'm saying those words. As soon as you start to put those words on it, we're out of the space anyway. Is sharing a controlling word? Absolutely. Because I, I own so. it because I'm sharing something that's mine. Good point. And I'm saying if it's not yours, you're not sharing. You're just literally being with somebody and they're doing what they're doing and you're doing what you're doing and there's love there, which is it's just total. And you aren't judging, you aren't like, um, I guess, feeling insecure that you're losing something because how do you lose something you don't own? Mm. Can't lose something you don't have. No, because, and you're not ever sharing it. We're just in this, I guess, um, space. So if we recognize ourselves as love, yep. as God, yep. we're never alone. No. And we're able to Always interconnected. Well, even interconnected suggests we're in something. Because we are it. We're all it. I think a lot, a lot of the uh, problems as well come from when we start to define ourselves through the person that we're in love with. Um, Have when, you done this, Alex? Oh, of course. Uh, has anyone not done that? How do you mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> well uh, an example would be uh, putting some self-worth on, on some on our perception of the other person's opinion of us. So if I believe that my partner thinks I'm attractive, then if they no longer are interested in me in the same way that they were, then I'm less attractive because that's where my self-worth lies. You've lost something. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah you've, you've lost something. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Like, um, well, I don't know. <laughs> Give just, it something. Just to be a shit stirrer. Yeah. So we're talking about self-esteem and self-worth there. Self-esteem, self-worth. Yeah. And I think Robbie Williams says it the best. Sing it. <laughs> sing it, Chris. You know, you know that was the segue. to singing. He may be great. He may be out of sight, but he can't be here, so come round tonight. And I think that's a beautiful sense of I'm completely comfortable with who I am. Mm. Uh, and and you can be – you can have a hundred other lovers that are – what. 20 times better than I am and that's okay. Yep. But it's a, it's a night and I'm willing to share it with you and I'm willing yep. to love you and I love myself. So I'm willing to love you in that space as well. And Hey, and I think that there's a certain, uh, you know, appeal to that. I think there's a certain openness to that. I think there's a, I think again, self-worth, self-esteem, we, we've slipped into control issues again. Yeah. That I Absolutely. need to control how you think so I can feel good about myself. Exactly. So even on a subtle level, just being wanted yep. is a control issue. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This is fucked up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to love. Yeah. Welcome to marriage. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have you got any answers, mate? Have you? 24, you know, come on. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Um, yeah, so far my answer is. Have you had your heart broken? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Smashed into a million pizzas. Yeah, oh, brutal. holy crap. Brutally. Yeah, really bad. Do you want to share? I, I, I can talk about it a little bit if you'd like. Um, it, it was a girl that I knew for about a year and um, it was a rough time for me personally. And I, I think I did make a lot of the mistakes that we were talking about in that she was 
almost a distraction. She was almost a purpose for me um, to to have this person who was was propping up my self esteem and was who helped was helping me through everything. It it was more about it was more about me. It was, it was more a relationship about myself in a way and about protecting myself and and propping myself up. You know, I, I saw her as almost as a mirror in a lot of ways. Um, and it's interesting looking back how much of myself I project on her in terms of, I, I realize how little I actually know about her or her thoughts and, and what she's going through. And it's still a process I'm, I'm going through learning is actually how little about other people we, we know and how much of other people is projections and assumptions that we're making about them. Um, and so that I mean, gets down to the idea of whether or not we really love yeah, somebody else exactly, or whether or not we're just opening our capacity to love that's innate. Well, exactly, exactly. And I, yeah. I'm not, I think in, in my definition of love now, I probably wasn't in love. Uh, Holy crap. Yeah. I think women do that a lot. <laughs> I, Post-relationship, redefine whether or not they're really in love. And <laughs> I'm anti-anti that process. Well, <laughs> uh, well, tell us about that, Chris. <laughs> well, I think that um, if you experience love, if you are in love, and it, it might get squashed up and burnt and uh, left in the garbage bin, mm-hmm. but that experience was real. And you can't, you know, post post uh, deconstruct it and say, oh, well, that person, that mustn't have been real love. Well, my next lover is my, my one and only because often that leads to the next love and the next love. And yeah. I think that we experience love and you can't deny it and that you shouldn't redefine it post-relationship. You should appreciate it for what it was and the pain and hurt. And what we were talking about before about being able to um, accept, embrace, immerse yourself in that and then go to the next love if that's what, you know, the universe holds or that's where your destiny holds is, is really that process. So if you, if you sit there and go, okay, now I've got to redefine this because my ego is damaged because I feel upset because that's not how it is. And then I've got to redefine it. Okay. Now you're the, now that you're the magic one and you're going to be okay once they magically. I mean, in the therapy room, it's yeah. often about people moving from shiny thing to shiny thing. Who doesn't like uh, bright lights? Who doesn't like shiny mm. things? Bright Fuck lights no. and shiny things. <laughs> And redefining what those things are, and when Burn, you've been through a fucker of a year this year. Yeah, well, we had a conversation. I don't know if you want to talk about it. I've had a lot of conversations, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, you share whichever one you um, want. The one I'm thinking about is after yoga. Um, when I received my diploma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think. Um, I think. Yeah, in my life, um, we we've been through a uh, obviously a fairly hard time. My wife and I, with uh, our daughter, and then being sick, and and then probably twelve years of, um, I guess, committing to, I guess, just a lot of trauma, and 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 fighting through that, and 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 supporting each other, and you know, doing that all with absolute love. So just giving uh, ourselves, giving all of our love, unrelenting. Yeah, unrelenting adversity. So just really focusing on love of each other and then uh, with our children so that our children really came out okay of that situation because we we kind of looked around and we realized if we were too selfish or we really focused on ourselves that um, the people who were going to get the most affected would be the children because, um, you know, that all they wanted was their world to be perfect and their parents are amazing and they're too young to know any better. So we, we really created that and sacrificed ourselves, um, to create that environment. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
uh, we were, I guess, um, in a situation where that just kept happening for a long period of time. So every time we thought, we were, okay, cool, we're done, we can re, we can refocus. Um, it didn't. Something else happened, and something else happened, something else happened, and and you take those kind of hits, and eventually, I guess, you get tired. And um, yeah, so. Um, in my world, I guess uh, you, you completely in love and, and love is absolute and, um, you know what that is, uh, but you're tired and don't know what that means, I guess. Um, and that's kind of what, where I am and, um, yeah, my wife is, and we're just trying to work out what, what to do next, I guess. So we're, we're, we're you know, she's amazing. We love each other. Our, our relationship's just phenomenal. We're just really tired and it's like, well, you know, what, what, what's next? Like, where's, what's next? How do we remember what we need and what we want and, and how, where do we get that energy from? Uh, Cause we've basically given everything to make it, make our worlds cool and our kids are amazing. Um, and then we're both, we're both great, but yeah, that's, that's my story around that. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. And it's, it's a tricky space, isn't it? And that's, that's long-term sh- fleeting moments of love, big love. Yeah. And deciding every day, like we, we kind of made a decision that you know, every day you make a decision to, you know, love the other person and, and you know, every day you make a decision. Every day. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Man. As soon as you don't, there was a period where, you know, we kind of, uh, didn't and, and, mm. you know, within three or four weeks, you kind of look at each other and go, wow, we're pretty far away. Mm. And, and the it, hell are you? Yeah, and, and that moment, yeah, that was early on in our relationship. We realized that that wasn't what we wanted to do. So we kind of got in the habit of deciding every day that, you know, that's the person I want to be with, and um, which is really cool and, and, you know, really makes it everything real and long-term and it's a slow burn. And Sometimes it's, it's tough when you're tired. Committed, but, you know, then, as I said, like after, yeah, after 15 years of uh, incredibly difficult times, I guess uh, you kind of look at it and go, yeah, that's been awesome. Um, where's what's next? Like, so holy yeah. crap! Well, you know where I'm at. But uh, I'd like to open up and share as little, a little bit as well. And after the separation that's been going on for eleven months, I suppose uh, we reached a new level in our in my uh, in my space. Is that uh, both uh, me and my uh, ex wife? We've kind of moved on. Wow! Wow! And uh, into different spaces. And uh, I'm not going to share her story, but uh, my story is uh, about one of meeting somebody and uh, rediscovering that, those, those, the, that space of, of um, you know, fleeting and open heart space, which is incredibly beautiful and difficult and wonderful. And it isn't to say that you don't stop loving other people as well, you know, and uh, it's a long history there and uh, this has recently come to the come to the surface and uh, people are still grappling with it and I am too, um, but um uh, to acknowledge that and to appreciate and celebrate that it's, 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 it's a fascinating thing, you know? So this is a pertinent conversation for me. Really, right in, really <laughs> interesting uh, choice of topics. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure we chose because somehow <laughs> we're going to have to weave this fuck all back around to uh, the, the summary of all our last podcasts. But I think that'll be easy with the love fabric. I you know, it's, so. a, it's a broad church. So uh, <laughs> Alex, what are you taking, mate? What are you getting out of this sense of love that we're talking about? I think it's it's comforting to know that uh, the sort of love that you've described does exist. Um, I think one of the 
maybe maybe this is my misinterpretation, but it seems to me that there's an underlying assumption that the people are the same and, and the love changes. But I'd see it the other way around. I'd see that love is almost a, a non-corporeal concept that exists within us and I suppose we tap into. Jesus Christ, non-corporeal? I just it, fell in love with you, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> it, thank you. That's no, <laughs> um, But it's, it's more a, uh, yeah, it, it's more a, a, like a, a God that exists around and within us. And well, we, I mean, we, it's that whole term we use, fall in love. Yeah. We're in love. Exactly. It's, we're immersed. Exactly. There is no me and you. There simply is the experience of love. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and the thing that changes moment to moment would be the person. Um, and, you know, I I find it hard where I am now to be able to promise someone that I could wake up tomorrow and, and feel the same or be the same because I do deeply believe that everything changes and it changes all the time. Um, so I think it, it, that what you've described poses a challenge to, to my view, my worldview, the, uh, the idea of that long, you know, that much longer sticking through all those changes in person and experience for something something at the end of that or or for something bigger than bigger than a moment yeah yeah i think um i don't know if that's <laughs> that's how i describe i think that what you're saying is like um no no no, no. When, did, when you go when you change did he just supersize your love because it was quite beautiful no well that was really nice yeah. and i don't know if it's that beautiful like oh, like, no. like my experience wasn't that beautiful I, I think that the experience was was is crazy like it's intense it's a war like it was it was intense yeah. but it's a what, war between you and your partner or a war in your head? No, it's a war of um, uh, the environment changing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, the environment's changing. It's totally topsy-turvy and and um, and we're changing because we're trying to manage that environment. And then the beautiful part is is deciding that you still love each other regardless. Yeah. And that's day-to-day. Mm. And I think that um, just saying there's something in the future or there's something long-term mm is um is again like assuming that someone's going to be around long term yeah like it's literally day to day yeah because yeah. um you know like being in hospital for you know for years and you see little kids dying and see lots of tr- like horrible pain of kids and you know that that's really traumatic to see and that they're dying consistently you realize that life's so fleeting and hence the vulnerability of love so vulnerable because well, it comes up because it can be taken at any moment. Any moment. And are you willing to expose and open and sacrifice your heart on the altar of love that can be teared apart at any moment? And every day. Every day. Every day. Every, day. every and, moment. And, and, you know, and if you every moment, you, have an, you get a phone call right now and, and it changes the whole thing. So it's a... It's a huge risk. It's it's really really dangerous for your for for your emotions. So at it's, best, control is a complete illusion, fabrication. At best, it's never anywhere at all. No. And the best I can commit is today. <laughs> That's the, all I got in the yeah, fleeting, no. fleeting moment of an open heart. That's uh, it. And so, could I, I'd even like to deconstruct it further? Yeah, at, at today or just now? Just right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, it sounds wrong. Like you talk about it like that, happens. and you, 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 if you talk to people like this, they're like, "Nah, well, I can't. Go, I don't want just now." And you're like, "Well, now and now and now." And if you think about it like that, then it's a constant decision. Mm-hmm. And um, well, 
Turns out now's a fucking long time. <laughs> Apparently it's always. <laughs> now always present. Another so, philosophical uh, exploration moment. I, I don't want to romanticise it to anybody listening because it's, um, it's atrocious. You, you sound like, yo, man, come on. <laughs> you, 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 you're sucking the life out of Romeo and Juliet for me right now. Uh, Are you saying love is hard work? It's, it's atrocious. It's the most horrible thing you can ever possibly imagine. The most painful thing you can imagine, but. It's burpees. Worse. Worse. I can't even, like, it's just, uh, like, it's not romanticized my head anymore because of what, but then it's amazing, like, when you go through and you look oh, at the other person. I'm going like, to disagree, man. I'm going to disagree. And I say there's uh, those romantic, exquisite moments that you've shared with me that I've shared with people that nobody else in the room exists. That's true. And it's exquisite. Those are, those, those are absolutely unbelievable. And that they're, they're but you don't do it for that. Like those happen and they're there a lot. Like if and you. That's that fleeting love. No. Think, no. Well, I don't know if it's fleeting because if it's day to day, then it's well, the also. Mo- the moment comes and changes. Yeah, yeah. It? But it's not fleeting in terms of like the first, you know, people say, oh, first year, first three years. Like it's been going for 17 years, like, mm. like as long as I've been married. But it's not, you're not in that state all the time. You could be in that state for like, yeah, for five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, two hours, like it could be a whole day or it could be 30 seconds. So Alex had yep. that moment. Yep. Opened up. Yep. Loved someone. Yep. Next day woke up and, des- and didn't decide to recommit to that love. Yep. Just said. Didn't feel no, it. Didn't, I'm going to shut the door. That's right. Going to walk away. And if you feel it every day, awesome. Good for you. You know, mm. you, you, you're blessed. And if you're not, that's fine too. And Whether or not you feel it though, it is there. Is that what we're saying, Alex? The underlying substratum of our reality is love. God yeah. is love. I, I think it's our natural state in a in a even spiritual or, or Buddhistic sense. Um, I think we've spoken a little bit about semantics already, and it's it's going to every argument comes back to definition of terms eventually. Um, love, I think, is a very clunky word. It's a bad word because we use one word for a whole lot of different concepts. I love cake. I love my dog and I love my girlfriend. Oh, I totally, um, totally fucking disagree with that. <laughs> 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 the, the, to me, they're, they're different ideas. Are they? I, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I certainly don't. How's that be? I, it's it's going down okay. Do you love that beer? <laughs> um, I I very much like the beer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I think love's love, and I, I think we do complicate the term, and it has become. Uh, too many things to too many people, but the pure experience of it is unfucking deniable. Absolutely, and and it's when you're in that moment, it is it is the most joyful, unbelievable, indescribable experience um, that I think humans can experience, and it's um, it's just amazing. It's selfless, I think, um, and that that to me is is the definition of it. Really, is is superseding the self so when i say that it's always there i mean it's always there in the sense of it it's one of the energies i suppose that that surround us and that we define as ourselves perhaps incorrectly sometimes um i think the the mind wants to define it and own it and control it control it yeah and uh, mm-hmm. make it fit a certain theoretical framework. Yeah. But the experience itself. It, it can't be controlled. Um, and if you try to, you take away from the experience. Um, well, as soon as you try to, you've slipped out. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I think that really living in the moment that, that to me is especially with love or experiencing in the moment you, you need to let go of control in a way. Um, because if you're worrying about it ending, then you're not enjoying it while it exists. Um, well, that's an interesting way to exp- the, the need to let go of control. Yeah. Sounds slightly controlling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> Cannot win. <laughs> you, you flipped that well. Has anyone ever wondered why, you know, now, God, Tao, Zen, all three words, three letters? No. Never. Never worried. Never wondered about, about the three letters. Love's four. Always found that interesting. Hmm. Uh, human construction. Language, it's fascinating, isn't it? So how do, should we have our heart open all the time? I mean, is it practical? Yeah, because, and I think that's, again, I'm 24. Uh, I do not know what I'm talking about. This is all just really. Romeo and Juliet with 13, 14. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. You've been in love. You know what this is about. That's true. But How I... many people out there listening to what we're saying actually know what love is, do you think? I would suggest all of them. Yeah, I, I think everyone. Everyone, what do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think I agree. I think that um, everyone has experienced love uh, in their own way and with their own perception and their own uh, that 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 joyful that we we're talking about before. Um, I think that's part of why you seek it because you realize how unique and special and, and all encompassing it is. And when you don't have it, you know that there's something there that you could have, like that's possible. It's, yeah, I agree. I really think the ultimate goal is to get to a point where you're open to the love and the good bits, but the down bits you're just as equally open to. Um, you you were saying before you you you're not sure that you define your all your experiences as beautiful, and there were some hard parts. Yeah. But I'd maybe argue that the whole thing is beautiful in itself as an arc. There's there's yeah. beauty to it just as because it is as it is. Um, What's the difference between a flower and a weed? The the only difference is our perception of it. So it would be nice to get to the stage where you're totally open to love and heartache is not necessarily a bad thing, but just another experience as part of love. Um, And all things are are just experiences. Like grief is just another expression of love. Yeah. Yeah, and and we learn a lot about ourselves in in those times. We, We learn how we think and, and who we are in, in those, you know, in those times that would traditionally be negative. Um, there's, there's power in, in anger. There's, there's freedom in moments of anger and moments of grief and heartache. Um, and I think that should be accepted for what it is as opposed to focusing on what we've lost, focus on how we're feeling right now. And is it actually bad and, and why? Okay, so the two people that you've referenced that you've loved on this podcast, mm-hmm. you still love. There's still love there. I think I think that's possible. I think <laughs> I'm not sure if they'd agree with that. Uh not that they'll be listening, but <laughs> um I think that the love was always within me and, and I'm I'm still carrying that around with me. Yeah. So it's still there. Yeah. You still love them. Yeah. I never so. closed. Yeah. Isn't but. that exquisite? <laughs> and you, Chris? Oh, totally. Fuck it. It's all there. It's all there. <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah. Absolutely. It never went away. 
Never you know, away. I think having four children and you've got four kids as well teaches you that. I mean, I often laugh that when I get those people that have had the one child and they look at you and go, well, we're not sure about having another because we don't know if we could really <laughs> love the next one as well. That's a laugh. That's a laugh. That's what I do. <laughs> and I want to say you wanker. <laughs> but I know you don't know because you haven't had the next one yet and the next yeah. one and the next one. And uh, there's always more love. Love's infinite. And so you, it's just a, it's like an onion. You just keep opening up more and more. So I think every moment, every person, everything that you share and open love with is really just a, an insight into your own capacity to love. And the more you open and celebrate that, no matter how often you've been hurt, no, how, no matter how deeply you've been hurt, it's just a, it's that agonizing, beautiful expression of beauty and love. You know? If you keep choosing it, you keep choosing, choosing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think so you can get better and you can focus on you know, anger and negativity, even though it's a, a, um, oh, yeah. a form yeah. of love. But if you keep choosing love and you open your heart up and, and all those things, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the more people you love, the bigger that gets. And it gets to this experience where, yeah, it's like a balloon. It just keeps getting bigger and it's kind of all-encompassing and eventually, yeah, it's a bit bit, That's bit the daunting practice. a bit daunting sometimes. That's mm. the sadhana, isn't it? That's it. Sometimes the I balloon love keeps expanding like Christ consciousness, Christ love, to the point where there is no inside outside of the balloon. Everything, everything is everything. Mm. <laughs> That's a bit too much for today. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need another beer? Uh, I, I need a beer. So let's wrap it up. Let's bring it together. Let's let's go full circle. We were going to talk about the idea of the nineteen podcasts, but I think there's been an underlying thread. And I think, yeah. you know, Brett has a, a great capacity to love, very particular in how he focuses his love. I mean, I've been wishy-washy and very philosophical in this journey of mine, but the underlying theme has been love and and how we how we express it and engage it. And I think if you look through all the podcasts, there's this people grappling with this idea of how do I love myself? How do I love my life? How do I love my own uh, expression of that? So I think it's and, interesting. And ironically... Mm-hmm. When uh, being the perpetual sober person that I am, when people do get drunk and they start to loosen up and they start to, you know, the words start uh, flowing freely, love is something that uh, often, um, I guess, uh, generates and emits amongst company. Mm-hmm. You know, people start, you know, I love you, mate. Like, you know, I love you so much. And uh, that happens all the time. Third that beer. does burn. By the third beer, I wonder <laughs> if that's the time. I think it's the sweet spot. <laughs> I think when that's love is most likely to be expressed in those contexts. Alex, what do you think about, you know, the, this idea that there's a thread of love through all these podcasts? I, I think certainly I, I agree with the idea that everyone that we've heard on the podcast is grappling with something. And, and that to me is, I think, the most interesting thing is that we've had people from so many backgrounds and with varying, you know, degrees of success and in different stages of their lives, but everyone has had their trials and struggles. And just as, as a young person, uh, especially, you know, the, with the world, the way it is, it's very easy to forget sometimes that everyone does struggle. Um, it's easy to see a Facebook page and, and think that that's a, an honest reflection of a person, but it's, enlightening to hear so many people talk about their struggles and and the problems that they've gone through and you know brett particularly embraces that and i think that's such a great attitude to have is the idea of 
yes, we're we're all struggling. Life is kind of hard and shit for everyone. So let's talk about it. <laughs> let's let's work together and, and try and just make it easier if we can. Um, and I think love is is the answer, certainly. So I, I think it's inherently a theme in in everything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I think it. You're 100 right. So I'm just like, yeah, it's so true. <laughs> I think it's a, this this flick in the brain, this flick of this uh, this this space of left right, the the loving experience, the shit that we have to go through. I think the shit is really just a disconnect and an alienation from the love that's always there. Mm. And so it's it, it the shit is actually a distortion. Mm-hmm. It's not that the love is a, a is the answer or a relief. The love is consistently there, mm-hmm. and but we the ego and our thinking patterns disconnect from it. And the love's still there, whether or not we connect to it or not. And then we some type of vessel, a, a beautiful woman or a, a, a good knocky, feel a bit hungry, <laughs> or, or a uh, burly brew. No carb lager, big head. Uh, I'd love to have you just sponsor sometime. No free ads. Um, <laughs> you know, can really open that door to a space of you know open love. I, I was just thinking. I wonder if um, all these dialogues that um, have been going on, you know, and they're fantastic, um, have been. Yeah, I guess uh, it's just saying before, driven by that innate need or that innate. Um, sense that, that that love was needed or love like it's a it's a conversation and and dialogue and we're just exploring stuff to almost um clear the path to allow love to emanate and to refocus back onto that because day to day week to week things happen and your brain can't seem to see past those things those the, the whatever that is um, whereas that's, that's where the work is, Ben. I think that's where the growth is. Yeah. When you hit that resistance, when you hit that my my little you know barrier of hate, yeah, <laughs> um, you feel it and you clunk your head against it. That's when the spirit. That's when the practice matters. Yeah, it's when. How do I get back to love? How do I love myself? How do I love this moment? How do I love this person that I want to fucking smash in the face right now? But, but the the dialogue, the conversation. The connectedness oh. outside of that, I think, really facilitates and helps to get to that space. Sure, I think. It, but again, I think it's a dialogue with yourself too. You know, just the thought patterns of you know, I'm not in love right now. Yeah, that's a thought pattern. That's a dialogue that I'm having between parts of who I am. Yeah, yeah. So it's I can dialogue with you, and we talked about this dialogue with with with, with two or three or, or a group. Yeah, that's a process of in and out. But what we're trying to do is really reconnect with our truth. And allow that to spontaneously flow and occur. You know, the old logos, the word of God. It's a flow. It's a flowing of loving experience. And maybe this might be helpful, but this is this is uh, a set of words, a, a system of understanding that that flows from something that's bigger than or bigger than deeper than I am. Yeah. Get rid of the ego. Does that make sense? No, no, it makes complete sense. I just think that. Um... Often I know my own experience is that although I love that dialogue and I you know try and work myself through it, sometimes I get muddled, I get confused, and I get lost. And then having a conversation with uh, even this conversation here just uh, joins a lot of the the dots together, and then all of a sudden I find it a lot easier to uh, facilitate that conversation with myself and really solidify mm-hmm. things that perhaps I wasn't sure about before. Um, and now you know, getting back into that space of love a lot, um, I guess 
uh, more smoothly is not the right word, but just like slipping back into it rather than like grappling with it and trying to have to um, manufacture it. Yeah, the dialogue itself actually helps with those. Well, you were exquisite in the zone today. And I'm going to take away a little mantra. I choose love. Choose love. I choose love. Choose love. I choose love, baby. Um, I also choose uh, Burley Brewing Co.'s Big Head No Carb Lager, (laughs) which is uh, just exceptional. Well, the first beer is the best, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's, just, well. it's, it's the best beer I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom. I do want to reference you guys to a book, and we haven't done this before, but um, in regards to some of that, um, The Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolt-Taylor. It's actually an exquisite example of this internal dialogue between left and right hemispheres. Uh, mate, this is a fascinating journey. Thank you for coming on. I've This has flowed so effortlessly, and I think this is the best podcast you've ever done. I think yeah, you, really, I think you're hitting your zone. Yeah, I think that uh, Alex has been amazing. Alex so, has been twenty four. Oh, uh, stop it, guys. No, it's, uh, <laughs> no, it's been easy. I, I mean, I, I thank you as well for opening up. And again, it's I learned so much from, from hearing you guys talk about your experiences, and it's just so valuable. I hope all the listeners get as much out of it as I do. Editing them, yeah. What are you going to take? Why? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to choose love. I think um, that's a very prof- profound idea of waking up every day and deciding to be in love. Um, I choose love. I'm going to choose to choose love. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to at least. Yeah. I choose love. I choose love. It's a beautiful thing to wake up every morning. I'm going to plaster this all over my room, in my mother's house. <laughs> <laughs> Just to bring it back to the beginning. Okay, guys, uh, we start. We do this little process with a big burly head, and I'm not going to let you off the hook today, Burn, because mm-hmm. you drunk the love in the room. Yeah. Okay, so you've got to come up with a little image of what you'd be doing as well. Big head. I am. Uh, I'm at uh, JCU Uni in Townsville. I've uh, just embarked on a uh, four-year degree. And uh, it's a bit scary and a bit daunting, but I know it's where I need to be because I love the idea of learning and growing. And in walks in this very impressive young bloke called Kieran Byrne. He sits down and he looks me in the eye and he uh, offers me a beer. And he says, Dicker, I choose love. And right, you are there. All right, what are you going to do? Where are you going to take one person at a time? Um, I I I choose. I can't remember what that pub's name was that we used to go to, but uh, yeah, sitting down there, uh, forty degree heat, um, rising sun. I think it was. Yeah, rising sun. That was it. Uh, You give me some coins, and you say, "Uh, "Why don't you go up and uh, buy some beers?" And, and uh, just see, just see what happens. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I remember walking up and um, and and giving the you know smiling at the young lady and saying, "Oh, can, we, can I have two? I'm not sure what you were drinking back then. I was uh, drinking two at a time, so it must have been all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It uh, may as well be burly big heads, which we would have had if they were available. And um, just looking back at you and watching you laugh and laugh and laugh as I gave her the money and. Um, yeah, that exchange, uh, that's that's what I remember. And then debriefing for an hour after that, that was cool. Hour? I think it was three weeks. I proved a six, very solid six, six, six months, I think. Uh, <laughs> proved a very solid point that night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a whole nother that's, that's a podcast. It's a series of podcasts. <laughs> Alex, where are you going to take uh, us, mate? 
Um, I'm not sure mine is going to be anywhere near as profound as that. Um, I, I'm sort of working with a with a tabula rasa here, a blank canvas. Uh, so I'd, I'd again, it, I just fell in love with it. Oh, thank That's you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it reminds me of a of a street at night, like in Brisbane. You know, lights hanging from yeah, between yeah. the buildings, all those kind of orange light yeah, filtering yeah. through, and you can you can feel the energy of of people talking and, and living and experiencing sort of that resonates that's 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 how I feel very sexy thank you welcome to the first beer exactly what I was going for perfect (laughs) (laughs) cheers guys it's been great fun speak to you another time thank you namaste